Hey everybody, thank you guys so much for joining in for another Lead Ministry Live. My name is Josh Denhart and I am joined today by Matt Markins uh, with Awana. Very grateful that he's here. I think I think you're going to be surprised by this particular interview and that that it's 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 a very heart touching, heart rending story. And it's it's your story, Matt. But before we get to your story, would you tell us just a little bit of your backstory? Who are you, my friend? Yeah. So I'm, Katie and I have been married for 23 years. It's hard to believe it, but we have a college freshman oh my. and soon to be a high school junior. So uh, we've um, we reside in Nashville. We lived uh, we lived here for 20 years and then seven years in Chicago at the WANA headquarters. Now, yes. uh, now we're back in the Nashville area, still still leading at Awana. Um, but prior to being at Awana, I was with an organization, handful, handful of organizations, but Thomas Nelson Publishers and then with Randall House uh, Publishers and the D6 Conference working with Ron Hunter. So been in the children's ministry space now prof professionally, occupationally for about 15 years. That is fantastic. But the funny thing is, is that all the great things that you've done, whether it's through, you know, Randall House or even now with Awana, in a sense which is true of all of us, we could backpedal and we mm. could find faithful oh, yeah. adults who poured into our lives or, or faithful people, right? I call them the faithful few. And it's yeah, upon no the question. shoulders of those people and quite possibly their secret and their unknown and uncelebrated acts of love and care that really went into your story. Well, man, I'm super excited for you to be here. And, and you and I had Thank a conversation and it, it, my heart was, I was like, man, this is a story that needs to be shared. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so on the, on the, the, the podcast, we kind of follow three very simple little, little pathways here. So we're going to define it. Then we're going to develop it. And then of course, we're going to call people to action and ask for them to do it and be that faithful adult. But what I want to know right now, could you could you help define for us in your words what a loving and caring adult is? Yep. So quick story to get there. Um, like you, like so many others who would uh, watch this podcast or listen to this podcast, uh, been volunteering in children's ministry like forever, you know, right? <laughs> it's just kind of a lifestyle. And uh, by the time, you know, 2009, 2010 roll around, I've been involved in virtually every type of curriculum uh, you could think of, but the local church I was attending at the time took a new approach to to our midweek, and it was something that I'd not been a part of before. And the approach was highly relational, and what it did is it put it created encounters where adults could sit knee to knee, eye to eye with kids, have conversation, dialogue, and we would also study the scripture together. And in that encounter. My wife and I looked at each other and said, there's something different about this approach. And it was because it was a highly relational approach. So when you have a, we have the, the disciple makers, the adult conduits of the Holy Spirit and the gospel who are looking at kids, engaging kids, seeing kids, uh, something special happens there, especially when you add in the gospel and God's word into that space. So, you know, Har Harvard, uh, the Harvard's uh, Center for the Developing Child, uh, has done obviously a ton of research and uh, they did some research that said 
we're never going to solve the hunger problem. We're not going to solve the water crisis. We're not going to solve the educational crisis. There's a lot we won't completely solve. But they said there's one factor that when this one factor is present in the life of a child, that child's probability of long-term success goes up significantly. And that one factor was the presence of a loving, caring adult in the life of that child. That changes it all. It changes it all. So that child might be facing significant trauma. That child could be facing all sorts of factors. um, Like hunger, like not clean water. Like all of those things. Yeah. But when that adult, when that adult's present is consistently engaging in the life of that child, uh, that child has, has a chance because there's someone pulling for them. That's huge. Yeah. And, and, and so in a sense, what we're talking about today is we're, we're number one, we're defining what is a loving and caring mm-hmm. adult. And that is somebody sitting knee to knee, eye to eye, who knows them, asks them questions, and, and is a part of, is, like you said, is pulling for them. Yep. That's a loving yep. and caring and, adult. And I think that's significant. The reason I bring that story up is so much of, of what we do in children's ministry, although it's amazing that there's not a shortage of amazing things in children's ministry. The Agreed. challenge is knowing how to edit through it all to get to the best of the best that's going to be most fruitful in the lives of kids. And the reason I bring that story up is I, I'm I'm asking the question, what others are asking the question, in an increasingly kind of secular post-Christian culture, are, are there ways we should shift to get more of that? Do we need more relational engagement with children in a world where maybe they're being isolated at home, parents yes. whose faces are in mobile devices, or maybe absentee fathers, et cetera? Do, so, do children need higher levels of relational engagement? I think they do. The answer is a resounding yes. I don't think it's going to be, you know, somebody said to me one time, hey, like, what's the best curriculum? And I said, well, the best curriculum is a loving, caring adult yeah. who has surrendered to yeah. Jesus Christ and is passionate about individual children. Whatever you put into their hands, that's going to work, right? That's right. If you don't yep. have that person, you can put the greatest curriculum in their hands and it doesn't translate. So it's about, you know, just recent, yeah, humans. Just recently, Sam Luce has started saying a little less Disney, a little more Fred Rogers. I think we've had a lot of Disney. We, we know how to Preach do really that. good programming. We know yeah. how to do really good programming. But in, in a world where we're swimming in the water of secularism, I think kids need that loving, caring adult like Fred Rogers, who looks right into their eyes, sees them, yeah. appreciates them and values them and speaks the gospel into their lives. I think that's a, a noteworthy quote that Sam Luce that ha, has yeah. just mentioned. Okay, so given, given that that's something, we've kind of defined this loving and caring adult. They, they know a kid, they know their yep. name, they know what their dog's name is. Active and, presence active presence in their life. Well, we've defined it. Thank you. But now what I want to know if you could share with us your personal story, because you had at a critical time in your life, a loving and caring adult. So, so kind of take us all the way back and make this extremely personal. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah, Well, so, so Josh, you and I were kind of at the same, same place, same time recently where I shared this and you're, you're very, um, generous to invite me here to be able to, to share my story. And I really appreciate the opportunity. You bet. So, so my earliest memory, um, one of my earliest memories of my parents together is the day that my dad walked out of the house. Oh my word. So in my mind's, in my mind's eye, I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the floor. 
in my bedroom. My brother is sitting to my left. He's reading me the Disney Golden Books. I don't know if you remember the books. Oh, I the sure. I had the, 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 oh, yeah, the, the binding was golden. Yeah, oh, your yeah. memories, right? Oh, I know. So I remember Bambi. I remember Pinocchio this day. But for whatever reason, my parents did not have the foresight to close my bedroom door. So my bedroom door is right kind of in front of me. And how and old were you? Dad, how old were you again? Oh, I've, I've got to be, I'm guessing four. I'm guessing oh, four. My heart is breaking. Keep going. And so my dad is carrying boxes out the door. He's carrying, he's got a coat hanger, he's got clothes draped over his arm. And there's a, the emotional violence, just the screaming and the yelling um, of him uh, walking out that day. Um, but that, so, that is well, seared in your memory. Oh, absolutely. Gold but here's binding. What I, here's gold what I binding remember. All. Yeah, go ahead. What I remember is my brother's presence. He, he, I, he's taller than me because he's five years older. So as I'm sitting on the floor, his figure is right here to my left. And he's putting these books in front of me. He's trying to engage Distract. something here, distracting me here, because he's intuitive enough to know that what's happening here with my father is not good. Oh. And so that that first of all, my brother's a hero, right? Like what what a what a older brother he was in that moment to do that. But so so fast forward, so that that kind of creates the scene, right? Of right. the 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 father figure in my life and the impact of that. So fast forward, probably a year or two later, um, I'm in a church. It's it's got to be a Sunday night or a Wednesday night because in and again in my memory in my mind's eye the sun is setting. There's a lot of wind. There's a bank of windows over to the left. The sun is setting. I can see this vividly. There are four people in the room. There's a man with a guitar. There's a woman off to his right, which I'm assuming is his spouse. And there's one other child and he's teaching me Jesus loves me and he and his wife lead me to Christ right then. Oh, and I'm, I'm imagining in my, in my, in my soul, what's happening is there's this big wound of the volatility that my dad creates in my life and the, the emotional instability that's there. And I'm looking for something better. And this man's telling me about Jesus who loves me, uh, who's inviting me, uh, to, to live with him forever. And he's going to save me from my sin, which I, you know, every kid I think kind of knows, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're, we're causing some trouble here. And so I trusted Christ as a savior right then as a young child. And I think from that point forward, my mom meets my stepdad in that same time period, they get married. And all of a sudden weekly church attendance is a thing in my life. That's huge. And yeah. So, so I'm sitting in children's ministry and, you know, we, we joke about flannel graph. We joke about it. But I mean, it's that's very effective. how I learned the gospel. That's how I It's a was visual cycled. means. Yes, it's a yes. visual means. And so when other kids were goofing off, I mean, the Holy Spirit was involved because I had this, this pull coming from my soul to what was being taught. I wanted to know and I wanted to learn what was happening here. And I remember this like nudging kids like, would you please be quiet? I'm trying to listen. Here. So, Everybody wants you. To, yeah. I wasn't a great kid. So that had to be the Holy Spirit, right? So, yeah. Um, well, fast forward to my teenage years. So, so, so dad leaves yes. emotionally volatile. Um, the, my parents take me to my mom, my stepdad take me to church. The church is such a big active presence in my life. There's a lot of adults who are pouring into me fast forward to about the age 16 and my biological father and this, this whole process of, you know, visiting him on the weekends, uh, was very unhealthy. And he finally says to me at one point, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I don't, I don't want to see you for a while. And so oh. this was like a really big wound in my life. 
and um, I, I'm really I'm really hurt by this. And so I'm on a phone call with my girlfriend, and this is back in the day when where phones were attached by a cord to the wall. Right? <laughs> so many don't even know oh. that, right? Yeah. So your phone freedom, your phone freedom was as long as your cord. So if you had a a five foot cord, you had a 10 foot phone freedom radius, you know, so, and we were, we were a relatively, you know, humble home. So I think we had a, you know, seven feet of phone freedom. So I'm, I'm huddled around the corner in the kitchen, talking to my girlfriend and my trying, stepdad. Trying to have privacy, right? That's, that's trying the... to have privacy. <laughs> trying to have privacy. And my stepdad, who was very much a rule follower says, it's time to get off the phone. So, you know, my 15 minutes are up. Right. So here I am, my dad, my dad has not been there for me. And I'm thinking my stepdad should be a little more engaging. And I'm a little upset that what he just did to me. So being a relatively compliant child, I marched through the living room. I yell at him for what he just did to me. And I'm back in my room and I'm on my hands and my knees and I'm crying. Wow. I don't, I don't know what my mom said to him. But in a matter of seconds, he was back in my room, huddled, you know, over me. His big truck driver frame was huddled over me. And he said to me through tears, Matt, I'm sorry. The power of a man saying yes. sorry. Yes. I don't know exactly what was happening in that moment, but I know enough to know that I've got these father wounds. My dad has been in and out of my life, emotionally volatile, emotionally abusive. And to have my stepdad say he was sorry, right? And this was at a time where I really needed something to turn and it did. And I, and, and I, that, that moment was so powerful. Well, in this same season, my pastor of this country church surrounded by cornfields, you, you know, you might, you might be in a rural church thinking, what is God doing in my area? The Holy Spirit can be active anywhere. Praise the Lord for that. Active there. Yes. So in my small rural church, my, my pastor would come pick me up and we'd go out for ice cream. We'd go watch fast pitch softball. We'd go on drives and he would say, bring your Bible. And I brought my Bible and we would open it and he would teach me the scriptures. So, and so his this, wife, this pastor was in a sense, singling you out and doing things with you. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. He saw something. I remember being in his church office at times where he would say, hey, come by the church. We'd sit down in the office and we would just talk and he would ask me questions. He was coaching me. He was mentoring me and discipling me. And his wife, his, you know, where, where I thought my name was divorce, child support and custody. His wife gave me the name encouragement, mercy and leadership. She was naming qualities in me. So whether it was the pastor or his wife, or a youth pastor, or a deacon. There was this this group of loving, caring adults who surrounded me. They gave me a new name. They gave me a vision for wow. my life that I did not see. And they undid. See, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this because we all have these challenging situations. They, they 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 look different. They smell different. Yep. But we have, you know, since we're talking about phones, right? We also have cassette tapes. And those cassette oh, yeah. tapes could be rewritten over. Mm -hmm. And the tapes that we're playing, as you said, you had uh, divorced, child support, and whatever, custody. and custody. Yeah. Those were those were three tapes that were looping and filtering yeah. through. But but this other person, the church, they in a sense rewrote some of the yeah. tape. They they 
they, they, they put an overlay over the top of that. And that's what a loving and caring adult yeah. can do. I think, I think the gospel calls that redemption, right? And re restoring, wow. restoration, like, like this Rewriting. thing that was such a, such a massive wound in my life that that really should have apart from the gospel destroyed you have completely derailed me and kept me on this you know path of destruction and the gospel has the power to transform and to restore something into something beautiful you know i really love that that today the title of what we're talking about is but there was a church mm -hmm. and all of the studies, right? All of the big, both you and I know the studies, the big macro studies, it really comes down to personal interaction with caring people. And by yeah. the way, I'm going to be very honest about this. You know, all of the mm -hmm. major studies, there was a, 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 a huge study and it, it didn't matter whether it was a Cub Scout leader. It didn't matter whether it was a, a bowling coach. As long yep. as you had an adult in your life, uh, uh, negative behaviors, as in as in drugs, sexual promiscuity, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. dropping out of school, being a, 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 a juvenile delinquent, all of those things dropped with yep. the advent of another adult yep. in your life. Now, let's now partner that with the mm -hmm. gospel of Jesus yes. Christ. That's where it goes completely eternal and viral. And, and for your story, um, you know, you could have kept out of some of those illicit bad behaviors through a Cub yeah. Scout leader. Praise the Lord for that, because your life maybe would have had a condition that would have allowed for you to hear the gospel. But a loving, caring adult inside the local church, that is that that's the winning combination. That's the power. You know, we, we think about the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Yes. You know, Jesus Jesus said, go and make disciples. So when we right. think about what, what does that really mean, he did not say, by the way, there's nothing wrong with literature distribution and Bible distribution and, and teaching curriculum. All those things are amazing. He said, go and make disciples. What, what that means is you as a human being, you as a loving, caring adult, Right. Go and inter go and interact with others, get involved in their lives, and make disciples. Right. We, we think as Westerners, we think because of the impact of Henry Ford and industrialization, we think so programmatic. Yes. But disciple making. That's why I go back to that story of uh, my church in 2010. Where I entered into a ministry where it was eye to eye, knee to knee with kids because it allows for more interaction. Now it takes adults to do that. It takes it take, adults it take, to do that. Yeah, and it also, by the way, different happens. Something yep. different happens, and you said something important. Um, it is a cart, and it is a horse, right? And the cart can't really do much without a horse. And so, the personalization of an adult who happens to be equipped with good resources, but the mm -hmm. resources are are completely tertiary, not even secondary. They're tertiary. A yep. loving adult is primary now here's the interesting yeah. anything else about your story because i do want to and we're it seems as if we're almost naturally moving into well what how could mm -hmm. other people have a have have a repeatable story how i mean if in fact the grand elixir is human beings engaging in another human's being's life how do we go about doing that mm -hmm. in a way that that it does impart knee to knee eye to eye 
But before we go there, I want to make sure that I don't cut you off about your story. Is there anything else that would be of value in in this personal story? Because you were going to church. You have this vivid memory of somebody sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and singing Jesus Loves Me. That is an, is an extremely powerful moment. Mm-hmm. You came to Christ, but then there was this ongoing involvement in church and there were individual people who isolated in an isolated way sought you out and did special things with you now those are the you know coming to christ but also having a discipling mentoring type relationship two huge Mm -hmm. things yeah i think if there was anything else that's a great question uh you actually caused me to spend 30 seconds there Sure. Thinking through some Please. things. I think if there's anything I would point out is that these these are normal people. These are not, you know, my pastor yeah, that. my pastor, my pastor had a had a Bible college, a, a BA degree. He did not even pursue his graduate degree until much later in life after I had already moved on. Yes. But there were there was probably no one else in that country church of 125 people that was you know, formally theologically trained. These were just people. They they loved Jesus. They encountered the scriptures on a semi regular basis, and they love me and they engage me. Like okay. that's that's not that's not you know that um, is level yeah disciple. That's a repeatable framework because somebody might yep. say, "Oh, but I'm at a church of 125." Yes, check. Yep. We're good. Let's move on. Yeah, but I don't have an elaborate degree. You're fine. Check. Do are you a loving person? Do you have semi-regular interactions with the scriptures? What does it say mm-hmm. in in Acts? I believe it's Acts four. Uh, I believe where it said, "Man, who are these guys? They're untrained fishermen," and it says they yep. spent time with Jesus. And that's really my story, right? I don't have any formal degrees at all. I just happen to love God, love the scriptures. And somebody was like, hey, man, why don't you be in charge for a while, you know? Uh, but but what, what you're saying, in a sense, which I think is super, super, super powerful, is that your personal story, there are aspects. There are aspects that are completely repeatable in other people's churches. And I think that we don't need to make it this big you know, convoluted, complex machinery, stop everything. So talk to us no. about that and land the plane for us, would you? Let, let me let me say one thing first to create a framework for what I'm about to say. Cool. Um, if I were a pastor, uh, a church leader, or a children's pastor today, I would be thinking, I'm not saying that they're not thinking, but I would be sure that I was thinking about the larger cultural framework of what's taking place uh, in the West, in, assuming that your audience is listening from the West, um, you know we we historically, when I grew up in the '80s and '90s, uh, and some of your audience may have grown up in the '90s and 2000s. So, but when we grew up, we grew up in what would have been considered a majority Christian culture or semi-majority Christian culture. That's no longer the same today. And so, if same. I'm a pastor, yeah, if I'm a pastor of a church today. Um, and I'm thinking about the future of my congregation, the future of this ministry and the impact of it, I'm going to be asking myself questions around, are we adequately discipling today's kids to lead this church in the year 2050 when I'm gone? Yes. Right. I think, I think that's a conversation worth having as a church leadership team. So with that being the framework for what I'm about to say, yeah. um, I, I think what's repeatable 
is to start with insight. Okay. Start with insight and the, because we can, we can rush quickly to skills when I, and I think people do need the skills. So there's insight skills and resources. Actually we rush quickly to resources, Yes. but skills would be above that. And insight I would say is at the top. If I was a pastor, I would start with insight. If I was a kid's pastor, I would start with insight. Okay. Unpack. Yes, please unpack this concept of insight first. I think what what often I think what we see when we study transformation and in, in, in perhaps uh, leading change and other things, what often leads to change and transformation is some level of insight that says what's over here is better than this. Perhaps your your audience has heard the term a burning platform. A burning platform. Imagine standing on a big wooden platform. And, and it's, it's on burning. fire. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you have to, at some point you have to leap, right? Like. But what if you're if you believe we're standing on a burning platform, meaning everything, the environment we're currently living in is going to change so much that we're going to have to go to a different future. Yes. So so what is that other platform that you're jumping to that makes the risk worth that leap? And so insight, if if I was a pastor, a kid's pastor, I, I would really want to talk about what was it that got you to where you what transfer yes. what happened in your life that yes. led to that transformation and oftentimes it is another human being it's another adult another loving caring disciple maker and i think within children's ministry because we're so programmatic yes and the church is so programmatic we've got to move to a more relational disciple making um culture so as pastors, I think I think doing having a strategy to help people come to these insights that wow, we've got to shift uh, toward being more relational. And, and, and in a sense, getting people to have their very own aha moment. Yep. That if you go back in time, you don't know what curriculum you were using. You don't know whether it was no. twenty minutes, this ten. What you what I guarantee everybody who's listening. I, I got goosebumps. I can think of individual people and individual names and experiences that I had with them. Discipleship yep. does not happen outside of a, rel- a relational context. I know that that yep. is a very bold statement, but I think you would probably agree. I do agree. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, there, There's been some stuff published in, in recent months in children's ministry. Um, I'm thinking of Dale Hudson. He, mm-hmm. he published during the pandemic as people were starting to come back. Uh, I noticed that he's kind of lamenting. I, I get that. I get that. There's a, a wide variety of reasons for why, and, and even good reasons for why we haven't been gathering. Uh, but now that we are able to start regathering, and certain some churches and culture have been doing this for some time now, but just this lament of what's the impact going to be now that we've created new habits of not being, not having kids regularly engaging with disciple makers. I fully agree. I think Dale, what Dale's trying to say in that article is the same thing. We've got to get kids back in church where they can be in a live community. Digital engagement can do a lot, but it, it does have its limitations. It has, it has its limitations. absolute limitations. Yep. It, it, so it, real, real relationships and physical spaces. Yep. It, you know, and the funny thing is, is there is, that is a learned and a, there's a warming up to that. Right. So if a kid is brand new, they've never been in a church context and they've never sat knee to knee and eye to eye with other kids right. and other adults. That's a new experience. 
And so yes. in a way, we're going to have to reacclimate kids. Remember, this is how we do this. This is what it looks like and feels like and smells like to be yeah. close to other people and talk because it truly yeah. has been a while. Can I have an amen? Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. So, so going back to the do question, I think it starts with insight. Yes. But then I think we have to move to skills and, and, because, and I don't want this like, go, yes, no, go I, I, like my mind is on fire. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want this to be a, a shameless self-promotion, but I do want to mention something that we are up to that I think can be helpful to the community at large. Uh, we we were blessed to receive a grant that we applied for to get funding uh, to do a research with the Barna Group. Yes, and so when and you say we, you're talking Awana yes. International. So go ahead, tell yeah, us Awana, about that. Awana organization. So yeah, so Awana, we're, we're a, a global discipleship, child discipleship organization, 129 countries, about 65,000 churches globally, and over 10,000 of those are here in the U.S. So so part of what we do is come alongside of churches with, with inspiration, training, and equipping to help the church uh, make disciples yes. with kids and students. So we have, we're working with David Kinneman and the Barna Group to create an assessment that evaluates fruitfulness within children's ministry so if if your church is to a place where you're asking questions around hey how how, how good are we at this really like how how fruitful how effective we use the word effective in western cultures but i think the biblical word would probably be fruitful yes how fruitful are we with discipling kids so the assessment that we're building with the barna group will measure the three areas, the three, what we call the three key factors that most lead to long-term discipleship in the lives of kids. Yes. And those yes. three factors are relationships, which we call that belonging. Yes. Scripture engagement, uh, which we call believe and experiences, which we call become. So we call those three belong, believe, become. But so when, when our research shows that when those three factors are all three present relationships, experiences, and scripture engagement, that that long, that childhood that child's identity is much more likely to be fashioned to that of Christ and a disciple. Well, so all that to say, so moving from insights to skills, if a church says we really want to know how to get better, this assessment we're building with the Barna Group will help your children's ministry team to evaluate. Hey, how relational are we anyway? Right. Like. Can we improve? And this will have key indicators and markers so that you can know which areas to put more energy and into. And where your holes are. Absolutely. Right? Yep. Uh, well, the interesting thing as we kind of close out, well, first of all, thank you. This has been a fantastic opportunity to talk about this. And, and even in even this long-term picture of where you're going, it, it, it started with belonging. Mm -hmm. Like it starts with people. Now, the interesting yep. thing, someone might say, no, 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 it starts with the scriptures. Hang on. The scriptures are only imparted through a person, yeah. right? I mean, Peter says it wasn't angels that were equipped with this opportunity. It's us. And so yeah. relationship is the vehicle by which we communicate the scriptures, and it can happen yeah. in a wonderful environment, but it's yeah. it's making sure first things are first. And you, my friend, are a walking testimony. I mean, you are doing mm. big things in the kingdom of God. You've 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 helped shape uh, the 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 church in America. There's no question in my mind. But in a sense, it was because there was a church. One hundred percent. And it was because 100%. there were loving adults who weren't so pro 
programmatically driven that they missed an opportunity to take you on a car ride with your Bible. So if any of us are looking for how could we repeat this, it's making sure that we have opportunities for good, loving, caring adults to be with kids. Now, you did say skills. Interestingly enough, that's probably another concept altogether, but there are some, like, down in the weeds, like, methods, right, to be a better knee-to-knee, eye-to-eye. There are some tricks of the trade, but it starts with your heart being, having an understanding, right, that that it's, that human-to-human interaction by far is the grand elixir. Yeah. Wow. Well, let me just let me just say thank you. This we believe this conversation is super important and clear, clearly you do as well. And sure. just thank you for creating space for this conversation. Um, it, it means a, a lot to me and, and clearly you are a relational disciple maker like so many of your listeners and just uh, it's very special to be able to have this conversation. Well, I'm very 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 grateful and your story is is compelling and your story is not easy because getting involved in somebody's life is not easy implementing a curriculum is easier than getting into someone's life well listen gang this has been a quick interview with matt markins thank you matt we appreciate that you guys are uh, tuning in for yet another quick interview here with lead ministry live my name is josh denhart super grateful that you're here And we'll catch you next time.